Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe, or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the posher washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. This is Dumb Be Dumb, the show about the reality dark drama that centred an ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the Hungarian folk dance, that is Roy Field Brown, and with me have the goulash, that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of our Debbie Aldridge's visitation, folks, is you. Now, today's rendition of Dumb Be Dumb was sent in by Alvin with his chipmunk buddies. Uh, Lucy, <laughs> yes. can you remind our listeners how that win the accolade of Dumb Be Dumber of the week? We say this every week. They don't they do nothing. They don't know. No, they say, "Oh, that's interesting." They're saying that thing again, but then no one, no one. T- it's a call to action, chaps. I think this is how people hear "dum dum." They go, they, they, "What they hear is this." This is "dum dum." Ba 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 ba. Lucy, tell us about the last week in Ambridge. Ba 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 ba. And then it's like it's over. That's it. <laughs> they listen out for themselves on the call. That's it. it. <laughs> exactly. For those that do listen. Tell them how that when the accolade of Dumpty Dumber of the Week. If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, give us a plot prediction or retire and move to Hungary. Ring us on 0203 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to lovely Shambridges for her amazing voices. To Sarah Smith for sponsoring us. And to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. He's keeping up his interest in Keep Fit and has bought one of those exercise bands that record your sort of your rapid wrist movements. But it must mm. be playing up as yesterday he apparently walked 397 miles. <laughs> you're a mucky woman you know freeman you really are filthy right but before we get i've got a clean coal hole though <laughs> <laughs> well i will have when he's finished <laughs> that's been making me laugh all morning <laughs> i'm such a child <sighs> on this week's show we have Miss Mid City, who's counting on Ian. Paul Room, who's gone au natural. Auntie Jean, who has some advice for Kate Witherspoon, who's been enjoying Debbie's return. Cosmo, who sympathises with Adam. John from Newcastle, 
who's having a nice cringe and blithe spirit who wants to cheer for Roy. But first, before all the juicy calls, let's have loose with our last week in Ambridge. We had a day out at the cricket. Uh, Paul Higgins is a very decent left-hander, according to Adam. I don't know how he found that out unless he was in the hedge at Lower Loxley as well on New Year's Eve. <laughs> Presumably he's good at cricket too, though. And Ian is back, sounding as mystified as Brian, Charlie, Debbie and the rest of us are about Adam's maze-related midlife crisis. Charlie is sulking like a sulky, sulky sulker. Last week he tried to tell Adam's daddy to sort Adam out. This time he wants Adam to tell Titchy Knob off because he left him hanging out at Silly Mid-Off or something ridiculous. Rescuing daddy issues, anyone? Anyway, he suddenly said, I don't want to lose you, Adam. But he never had him. Adam was too busy worrying about something going straight down Deep Midwicket's throat. Maybe Paul Higgins was at Deep Midwicket. I don't know. <laughs> Titchy Knob had a good laugh at the idea of a gay man being interested in cricket. Ha 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 ha. That was nearly as funny as the idea of a man helping with the cricket tees. Brian is still on the verge of cardiac arrest with annoyance with Adam, saying, We're not Pat and Tony. We're not two retired crackpots operating a carrot shop. We are a multi-million pound international operation wrung from Hungary by a woman on Skype. The fair brethren are slowly turning the heat down on the goslings, apparently. They should not be cooking them before they're grown up. They'll be completely overdone by Christmas. Bloody amateurs. I expect Elizabeth will be interested in hearing what you're up to, said David. If Toby thinks Pip is a good catch, wait till he realises how many goslings he can fit into Lower Loxley. <laughs> there is nothing like a jolly family reunion. And the one at Home Farm was indeed nothing like a jolly family reunion. Debbie pulled up in the yard at Home Farm in what sounded like a diesel tanker to discover a bit of a frosty atmosphere between Brian and Adam and Jenny and Kate and Kate and Phoebe and Jenny and Rory and Brian and Jennifer. Jenny, darling, made it worse by trying to force lemonade on everyone as if they weren't all acidic enough. Kate then suddenly went mad and shouted, Fish are changing gender! So she's clearly got whatever it was that <laughs> Alistair had when he started shouting, Horse paintings! I think they should both move into the laurels and I wish them joy of it. Ruth uh, was trying to express her worries about Heather Pet and her amazing performing teeth that have bitten one of the nurses or something. But David was fretting because the feed company had sent the wrong sort of pre-carver. Pre-carver? Is that the bottle of Prosecco you drink while you're waiting for the carver to chill? <laughs> Those cattle have a good bloody life. Kenton has gone into heavy sarcasm mode. Oh, thank you. Oh, how kind. Oh, shut up, Kenton. The ever-perceptive Shula failed to pick up on this completely and said, Oh, it's so good to hear you sounding so positive. Meaning, it's good to hear you're sounding so psychotic. Elizabeth had a little chat with Vivat Rex and kept asking his age, presumably to do some rapid calculations and establish A, whether or not he could have been her child, and B, if that means if it's feasible for her to have an affair with him. There was a very confusing interlude in which Debbie handed in her notice. She is bored of Home Farm and is going to become Finance Minister of Greece. So she is passing on everything to Adam, who is also leaving. I'm not sure you can pass things on to people who aren't there anymore, but I was too entertained by Brian doing a passable imitation of King Lear, after all I've done for you, to care. Alex and Phoebe can take it on in between having very responsible sex and getting A-starred A-levels. So much is being made of how very, very safe they are being. I have visions of Alex wearing three condoms at once and Phoebe wearing a decontamination suit. Alex, commence operation. Go, go, go. Um, now, 
I may be imagining things or going out on a limb here, but I don't think Jill is a massive fan of the Fair Brethren, you know. And mm. I can see why. They do seem to combine hugely intrusive behaviour with massive cheek. Rex, in particular, seems to have developed a crush on the entire Archer's family, popping up from behind sheds and wheelbarrows and saying, What you doing? Can I come? Oh, sorry, David, are you having a poo? Don't worry, then I'll just chat to you through the door. <laughs> They've also installed a campsite at Hollow Tree. They'll have to keep Elizabeth back with cattle prods, as once she cops a load of Toby and his undercrackers, she'll be hauling him through her tent flaps before he knows what's hit him. The end! That's a triumph. Well done. Oh, I'm quite tired now. I quite like the middle bit. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but the beginning bit was good also, and the end then was stupendous. I, I, I thought it, was, it all it all worked as a wholesome thing. As um, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah, there was one. Yeah, mm. that's. But good. my favourite bit was definitely the middle. But well done, Lucy. Are you just trying to prove that you're... Is this, is this your attempt at making me think that you've been listening? No, I was looking at Quora.com. I was reading about why didn't the communists use East Berlin as a showcase? But actually they did. And that's what they, they answered. Oh, good. But I did actually listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, what was your favourite bit of the last week in Ambridge? Uh, I think, actually... Mm. Um, I did love the Acheborn like. Can I tell you what yeah. I enjoyed? Because you're yeah. just like you know, just get to the point. Friday was awesome. I loved that barbecue. <laughs> yes, I loved Kate shouting at Phoebe just because someone said just something on Snapchat. <laughs> just an amazing house. I love the fact she drank an entire bottle of wine before anyone else had even arrived. <laughs> Where was Alice? Yeah. Christopher, they've all gone. Gone. They haven't got any children. The Aldridges are shedding children. I told you it's one in, one out. As soon as a new one arrives, the old one has to go. But there poor is old some... Poor Rue doesn't know. get a word in edgeways in between lobbing, <laughs> lobbing footballs through people's windows. Mm. Oh, Rory, will you keep the noise down? That's... You know, that's we do. He's he's in, he's silent, apart from being shouted at. Poor little sod. Um, did you like the Roy and Phoebe chat? Yes, I did. I thought we're talking about bad parenting, and then you see a, an example of really, really excellent parenting. Mm. He didn't make a fuss. He didn't make it about him. He just said, "We just want you to, you know, be safe and be happy." Hoorah! No, um, he's starting to redeem himself, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yep. Roy the Redeemer. Yeah. Uh, but this Debbie Aldridge and Charlie Malarkey, mm. is that going to be the triangle? Because old Charlie's uh, <sighs> bats for both teams, doesn't he? Yeah, but... Well, for a start, Debbie sounds about 20 years older than Charlie. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But you obviously do think there's something wrong with that, because otherwise you wouldn't even have mentioned it. Yeah, I think it's... I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's unusual... Because I think Debbie would think he was an annoying little twonk. But didn't doesn't she have somebody in Hungary? I thought she did. I thought she did as well. But that doesn't stop anybody, does it? And she was supposed to be going and she's she's not now going. And the yeah. dynamic is weird. It isn't just you sacked me. She is actually no, interested in yeah, him. There is a flirty flirty. Yeah. And he's um, trying to... Uh, reverse somewhat and not be confrontational but she's yeah. kind of she's up and in his grill as yeah. the americans would say yeah 
And I like I like Adam getting all come along, let's chop chop, let's, yeah. let's stop talking, come along, keep moving. <laughs> None of that here. No fraternisation. Mm. He doesn't like it, does he? Ha ha. Not at all. And why wasn't Ian at the barbecue? Yes, because he said he was going to, didn't he? Hmm. He said to Jennifer, she said, oh, are you not working? And he said, no. Hmm. But I am loving Brian's frustration. Yeah. What am I for? You're for having affairs with and wearing cravats, Brian. That's what you're doing. To be fair to Brian, he hasn't had an affair in about 10 years now. He's hung up his affair britches, so to speak, hasn't he? (laughs) Well, his prostate's probably given him jip as a man man of a certain age. I loved, I thought it was very ache-born. There was lots of noises off. Mm-hmm. at that home farm especially when Debbie and Debbie was trying to stop the row between Brian and Adam who were mm-hmm. both going basically mummy mummy be on my side and she was said look I've only just got out of the car shut up and then all of a sudden we heard from the kitchen and she said oh who was that and it's Jennifer and Kate at each other's throats I thought it was very good and I did like Kate dropping Jennifer in it with Peggy mm. And, and make sure it was a complete fib. Pe- Jennifer never said go on the pill. She didn't say She's, that at all. No, she said just go to the doctor and, you know, look at your options sort of thing. Mm. But I love Kate's slightly pissed voice. It's brilliant. It's so good. That kind of I've just had one glass too many and I'm on the verge sort of thing. It's uh, not slurry slurry. It's just great. I cannot imagine the archers without Kate Aldridge now. I don't know really? why the hell they had her shunted off in yeah. South Africa or that. Because she's just such a delicious inclusion back into things. Absolute triumph. Lover, lover, lover. She's a disruptor, isn't she? In in sort of in business terms, she's a disruptor. She won't let anybody. Well, uh, I, I, I think that's a wrong analogy because uh, a business is disrupted generally if you found a new kind of uh, industry uh, yeah. as a business disruptor. She's a fuck up, is what she is. Uber is a disruptor. Skype is a disruptive technology. Kate Aldridge is a fuck up. She won't let anybody get away with with anything cozy. She she just challenges everything all the time. No, you're not. She's like a three year old. I am this. No, you're not. Prove you are. Da da da. You know. So she says, right, mum. You said you're a brilliant mum. You weren't. You're rubbish. Hmm. Uh, you claim you're being responsible to Phoebe. No, you're not. I'm fed up with being the one who's always in trouble. I'm now going to get you in trouble with your mum. <laughs> Which is just great when you're talking about somebody who's, you know, 67 and 93 or whatever it is. <sighs> yes, good old and, Kate. And actually has proved to be um, a, a rather good mother and, and had an amazing tete-a-tete with her granddaughter to yeah. prove that she actually has perspective, wisdom and empathy. Yeah. And Jennifer Aldridge, uh, you know, uh, an, an absolute rock really and, yeah. and when you sit down and think about everything that she's been through though you know what we always say all all the things she's had to put up with from brian and the fact that you know she was brought up in a in a pub and now she's yeah. you know kind of lady muck but she has had an affair of her own and, oh, we, yeah. and we and we always forget you know no one ever brings that up you no know, i she... know well it's your script isn't it i don't mean i don't mean archer script I mean, it's your it's your personality script. Is that your first gin of the morning? It is. <laughs> chin chin, darling. Um, first. <laughs> first. Um, I am the victim. I am the put upon one. Poor old Jennifer. Mm. You know, isn't it? And, and, and it's amazing how long you can keep that, that script going without actually having to back it up at all. If you, if you in the family, if you are... Or in, or in your community or whatever, if you are known as poor old so-and-so or she's the lucky one or blah, 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 
But you, you don't actually have to do a great deal to justify that. It just becomes embedded as that is the thing. So everybody, if, you, if you're the person that's, that's the victim and you've actually created quite a lot of the shit yourself, mm. uh, that just gets conveniently forgotten by everybody because it's part of it's everyone's narrative. It just becomes fixed. I hear that. <laughs> but now should we hear from the listeners? Yes. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Caller it's your time. Caller Inneras, unite! <laughs> <laughs> Who's first, Lucy? Uh, Miss Mid-City. Hi, it's Miss Mid-City here. And I've got a big smile on my face because I'm very glad that Jenny Darling had the mature, reasoned discussion with Phoebe that I'm sure that no real parent or grandparent has ever had about sex. And it has happened before Phoebe has had sex. So over to Phoebe now to make sure she uses her own good sense as well as her grandmother's good advice. And the discussion they had, in my view, uh, was a pretty good template of what you might hope would happen between a, uh, a child and a responsible guardian. But it probably never does happen in reality. And I use the word child advisedly because she is a child. She's not 18. She's not an adult. She's not voting yet. Not as far as I know. And uh, yeah, if I sound a bit judgmental, it's because I am. Uh, Girls of that age think that they are mature and their bodies may be telling them certain things, but they are not. They are children. Anyway, we'll wait and see where this goes and whether or not Alex is uh, going to become a permanent fixture or if he is just uh, a gigolo, (laughs) for want of a better word, or some some kid who is... um, Whatever, passing through. I don't know. Yeah, it's an age of discovery. Thank you. Those were my thoughts. Um, she says n- that no parent would actually have that conversation that Jenny Darling had with Phoebe. I couldn't disagree more, but go on. I, I know one parent that's had that conversation and, and sort of helped her daughter uh, make was very proactive in her daughter making contraceptive arrangements and stuff like that at the age of 16. But I think, I think most people's parental instinct, or maybe I'm just talking about my own, is to just say, no, don't, (laughs) ever. Mm. (laughs) And then have to adjust to reality and be philosophical about it and not, and pragmatic and not get ridiculous. But I think it's very hard. Mm. I think that conversation is made more difficult for, for many parents because of you know the culture of which of which they sit mm. and you know and i know that on, on a personal level you know my father for him it was a great point of honor honor's maybe the wrong word but it, for him he had to have uh, the conversation about the birds and the bees with me before uh, we did it um, in biology at school Right. My, my first year at senior school, he kept on saying, have you, have you had sex education yet? And I go, nope, nope, nope. He said, have you, have you had it yet? You had it. And, and the, the poor man was sweating for the, for the whole year. Oh. And, then, and then, he, you know, he sat me down um, and he said, um, do you know how babies are made? And I said, no, and I absolutely did know. But I just wanted him to sweat some more. Oh, <laughs> you're a sod, you are. 
Uh, but I know many parents that have actually sat down. You know, it's one thing to have it with a son. You know, with daughters, it is a little bit different. Mm. Uh, you know, that have sat down and, and had similar conversations uh, with daughters. And, uh, okay. and and generally, if you can have that conversation and do it in a sympathetic and an empathetic way, generally your child stays safe in terms yeah. of unwanted pregnancies. Yeah. So, you know, we've, we've got to have those kind of conversations. So I disagree with you. Uh, Miss Mid City. I know many parents have actually had it. It's not an easy one to have, uh, but you know I've had it. I and... think it's almost like as well. It's it's not just about them being safe sexually or whatever. It's about them being safe emotionally. Mm. You don't want anybody to break their heart. You don't want them to have such strong feelings about somebody that they can actually get upset by it. Well, no. You, you always want your children to be safe physically, emotionally, you know, financially, every every which way. Uh, but because you know that is our role of parents. But it's also knowing that it is going to happen, and 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 to be there for them when you know Johnny doesn't call them back, or yeah, when yeah. such and such isn't their friend at school, etc. Yeah. You know, it's kind of part of life. You know, yeah. so. Uh, so it's treading that line between wrapping them up in cotton wool and actually, you know, pushing them out into the world to a degree so that they yeah. just experience the full gamut of human emotions, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but hey, hum, people don't come on this podcast to hear my homespun philosophies, Lucy. <laughs> Next caller. They listen, they listen to late Wobegon days instead. <laughs> hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling toss salads and scrambled eggs. Greetings, Lucy Royfield and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, sipping on some lemonade and listening to all the opening and slamming of doors at Home Farm. It's been another great week for the Archers. Well, Kate is definitely not winning any Mother of the Year awards anytime soon, and after spilling the beans in front of Phoebe's great-grandmother, she did make my little poem of last week quite, quite prescient. At this point, Kate is just someone her family can't live with, and the show can't live without. Speaking of people we can't live without, how about the fabulous Tamsin Gregg? Wouldn't it be great if Debbie ever returned from Hungary on a permanent basis to tell it like it is all the time? So in the meanwhile, we have to savor her visits and hope that Tamsin continues to enjoy her periodic guest appearances. And I just loved it how she gave it good to Charlie. Between the cricket match on Sunday and the party on Friday, the week was not bookended well for our closeted technocrat farmer. By the way, I also loved last week's Dumpty Dum with special guest Angela Barnes. The three of you were great together. And in answer to Royfield's query, I will stand up and say, I am a fan of Ruth Archer. I don't understand where all this hate comes from. She's smart, hardworking, a good wife, well, most of the time, a good mother and daughter, and someone I'd have a cup of tea and a biscuit with. Okay, Lucy, I can hear you laughing in the background. And I do agree with Royfield about Tom, and we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. New Tom does seem to have been given a personality transplant and appears to be a new man. We shall see. Oh wait, Angus is telling me that we have to start packing. This time next week, I'll be leaving on a jet plane. Can't wait to be on your side of the pond. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis signing off. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. With a spoon, Ooh. he very much enjoyed the slamming doors at home farm as well. And he says about Debbie flirting with Charlie. It was quite heavy-handed flirting though, wasn't it? Debbie's more subtle than that. I, I don't know. I Because she's in it so infrequently 
that I've forgotten what a, a modus operandi is when it comes to, uh, you know, affairs of the heart and, and legovers and stuff, other than she always seems to have somebody kind of in the background and generally it kind of ends n not, not so well. Yes, uh, but yeah. also, maybe... She's quite cool and quite reserved, though. I mean, she's but, but she's not waving her knickers but... around her head at the moment. Well, there's a certain level of anger at the moment as well, isn't there? And she's just confronted the man that, you know, yeah. uh, got yeah. rid of her. So you understand that. She was like, oh, yeah, um, I couldn't do my job. But Charlie doesn't do. sound like a man. When he talks to Debbie, he doesn't sound like a man. He sounds like a work experience boy or something. Well, she does sound somewhat masterful. And with yeah. her, you know, and they had their kind of talk about, or maybe this was Sunday's episode, about drones and, you know, types yeah. of lay and whatever the hell yeah. we were talking about but the the charlie thomas of old that arrived in ambridge this is not the charlie thomas now is it you know no. he is you know he isn't uh mr mr clipboard and mr, yeah. mr. efficient he is an emotional creature now yeah and he doesn't want conflict. and now we know that he hides behind his spreadsheets and everything he, exactly you know, he doesn't want conflict and he's kind of, you know, tries to reverse out of any situation where he sees that coming. Yeah. I thought I'd call in just to clarify from last week's podcast that no, Lucy, I am not the listener who has the hots for Ruth. It must be someone else. I'm more of a traditionalist. And my heart skips a beat whenever the lovely Sabrina Thwaite is in a scene. I've been doing a Cosmo the last couple of weeks and have been on holiday walking along the southwest coast path down in Devon and Cornwall. While on holiday, I like to go au naturel and not to shave in a vein, in more senses than one, attempt to grow a beard. Unfortunately, young Alex, with his surging hormone levels, would, I'm sure, sport a finer specimen than me. But then we all have to cope with the hand we are dealt with in life. This got me thinking about beards in the archers, and I struggle to recall any characters known for their moustaches, beards, sideburns, or even any mention of facial hair. Of course, discussion of beards doesn't necessarily make for great radio, but then again, Peggy and Christine baking muffins this week needed a bit of imagination as well. Being attuned to this, I was disgusted to hear Kate in her drunken rant at the home farm barbecue talk of beardy weirdies. This sort of beardist attitude shouldn't be tolerated and I've cancelled my holistic massage at her health retreat in protest. Paul Rum, big fan of Sabrina Thwaite, not Ruth. As I, How could I muddle up those two, obviously? As I said last week, I apologise, Paul. He's, took, he, he's done some big long walk. Mm. Oh, naturel. And uh, for one horrible minute, I thought he meant he was the naked rambler. But he's not. He's grown a beard and he's cancelled his massage. Uh, at Kate's establishment because of her comments about Beardy beardies. weirdies, poor Brian. There was a lot of Brian love on Twitter this week of um, of him just being surrounded by, well, surrounded by Kate largely. I think you only need to be, <laughs> you only need to be in the same room as Kate to feel like you've been completely surrounded by her because she is something of a presence, isn't she? Mm. But yes, he was getting cheesed off with everybody going all hippie as he saw it, thinking about <laughs> things like, the future of the of the world, you know. No, it's hippie nonsense. Just think about the next next year's tax return. Auntie Jean is back. Good morning, Auntie Jean here. I finally managed to catch up with the archers. I was a bit behind. I just want to say, and Debbie's back. Yay! But boo, she might be going. Mm, I don't. I hope she doesn't. 
But then again, if she's got another job in Hungary, she's still got to come back and see her mother, hasn't she? So let's hope we don't lose her completely. And her um, backing Adam and Brian retiring was just brilliant, I thought. Really well done. Yeah, the family barbecue was like the Vic in EastEnders. There were so many arguments going on. <laughs> it did make me laugh. Anyway, to Kate. Oh, God, she's obnoxious. But I just want to point out, and I may be wrong about this, she goes on and on and on about her father not financing her, but doesn't she own the cottage she's in? Didn't her father give her that, as Alice got given one too, because they aren't going to be part of the farm? So why doesn't she just mortgage the cottage? Somebody may need to correct me on that. Um, Comedy moment of the week was Chris and Peggy making scones and having muffins with Caroline looking or sounding very embarrassed about the whole thing. They're like an old married couple already. I think that'll probably go on and on and on, but it'll be quite good. And she also liked the barbecue. I think we all did. Let's just have the Aldridge's Home Farm barbecue every week. (laughs) And yes, Kate does own that cottage, doesn't she? She was given the cottage because Brian divvied up everything else between the other children. Mm. So Auntie Jean says, why can't she just mortgage it if she wants some money? I'm not 100% sure as whether she was given it. I think she was. I'm just not 100% sure. But Mm. if she was, that does make a whole load of sense because that's going to be worth a pretty packet and she'll be able to get actually she'd be able to get a decent mortgage on it but she but then you still have to prove some form of income to pay the mortgage oh yes 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 so it's it's slightly slightly chicken and egg you know but wouldn't she prove income through this stupid massage center isn't that it's not it's not not proof of income though is it no well it's imaginary isn't it (laughs) really if this was pre the economic crash of 2008 I think she she do sell certification on a mortgage, uh, okay. and she could just make it up and she and she get it. Post two thousand and eight, it's much harder. Um, However, in theory, Auntie Jean, yes, but she might have to she might have to have someone to, to guarantor. She okay. might have to, in effect, uh, secure it on something else. Right, but but she could work it out. She's got a massive asset there. She'll probably secure it on one of our children, won't she? <laughs> Part exchange. <laughs> Cosmo! Hi everyone at Dumpty Dum. Cosmo here. It's only a couple of weeks until my next holiday when I'm going to Scotland. Enjoying the podcast and sometimes the arches as well. I hear Goddess Diva has been missing me, so here I am. I keep finding you've also finished the recording before I can make my contribution. First off, I want to report much joy. The writer for a couple of weeks ago was Joanna Toy, who had reportedly left and so I want to welcome back her experience and knowledge. Can I also clarify that Grace is not returning to the Archers per se, but to a play about the events surrounding the fire, which is also to be written by Joanna Toy. At the time, I believe that there was high skullduggery about the fire. Izan Churchman, who played Grace, returned later as Mary Pound and other characters. And Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Like Terry Malloy, she has also been in Doctor Who where she is the oldest living actress. It was a great pleasure to hear Debbie this week, but I fear that she had forgotten, or the writers had forgotten, that Brian is a part owner of the consortium employing her in Hungary and would therefore already know she was leaving. On a slightly different subject, if I were Adam trying to watch a game of cricket and everybody kept coming up to me and talking to me about farming, I would be deeply unhappy. The game is far more important. Since I was last with you, I've been to that London to see The Mentalist. Bear with me, there is a reason for mentioning this. One of the main characters therein comes from a place called Swindon and speaks with a West Country accent, so no doubt Yokel Bear would be able to understand the strange accent emanating from the character concerned, played by Stephen Merchant. The Kate, Phoebe and Jenny discussions I shall leave to others with better knowledge. However, I do remember the time the eldest daughter threw open the bedroom door when my wife and I were participating in what might be termed intimate discussions, but I would rather say no more. Time to go. Hopefully I'll be around again before too long. Bye for now. Bye-bye, Debbie. I don't want Debbie to go. I love Debbie arriving. Mm. We all love Debbie. It's great, yeah. I think I have always related to Debbie. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, I don't think you should just say you don't know why I think we need to investigate the reasons why you feel a oneness with Debbie because she's quite sarky and Mm. she she's a bit of a business whiz Lucy yeah in that case I don't know why on earth I relate with her relate Mm. to her yes no that's probably just me being hopelessly idealistic that I relate (laughs) to Debbie (laughs) I'm sure she'd be horrified I don't know. She's just, she's just interesting, and she's quite sort of bright, and she doesn't believe all the the Ambridge housewife shite, does she? Mm. Quite... I think though we we need to take uh, three minutes to discuss this passing of the baton in both farms. Yeah, and I don't think it's by accident that we it's have both at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, and it's not by accident that we have this new. Um, orchestrator of all things Ambridge and a year into his tenure it's a case of out with the old and in with the new yeah there's even green shoots of this changing of the guard so to speak if I'm not mixing my metaphors over um with with David and Pip isn't there yeah you yeah. know, no, David's not about to retire tomorrow, but, you know, Pip is definitely being, you can see her, you know, being groomed for the succession, so to speak. Mm. You know, see, trips to Brazil or, or, or not. I, I'm kind of torn here. I know Brian got a lot of, a lot of um, uh, sympathy this week, mm. but also he loves what he does. 
And it's not very hard, really. He swans around, he drinks whiskey and he gets away from the rest of the family and sits in his study with his laptop and he has a nice time and he feels like he's the leader of all he surveys and he has the ruler of all he surveys and he has little little shenanigans and, and, and kind of um, uh, power games on the various boards of various things. Why would you want to give that up? Why w- What's he going to do? But people talk about retirement as if somehow they're suddenly going to do all the things that they never had time to do. But if you want to do something, you do it. You kind of, you know, you make time for it. Um, but no. In, he doesn't in... have any hobbies. He doesn't do anything. No, he does a, he does a bit of golf. Him and Matt Crawford were forever oh, yeah. playing golf and stuff. But no, in, in the case of somebody like Brian, who is managerial and has been a chairman, retirement is such a gradual thing because actually he's been withdrawn from day-to-day management and getting his hands dirty for a very long time. It's not as if he's been going somewhere nine to five, clocking in and then clocks off. Yeah. In effect, maybe from about the age of 50, you know, he was on the BL board. Uh, You know, he's been looking at various different interests, etc. And actually, he's delegated massive, uh, you know, day-to-day management to Adam and to Debbie. And he is a classic chairman in that respect. So he doesn't necessarily have any working relationship with, with the farm hands. You know, the, the, the pickers, he doesn't interview them. He doesn't actually know who they are, you know, recognise them and whatever. He doesn't have a relationship with them. It's, you know, through the chain of command, through through Debbie, through Adam, etc. So for him to be told, we do not need you as wise, as wise counsel, is absolutely a massive shock. Though mm. actually, you do his man hours in terms of the running of the business. It's probably, I don't know, eight hours a week or something. Or yeah. But he says on, on, sorry for anyone, but this isn't much of a spoiler. He says on Sundays, my, he said on Sunday's episode, my job has been, the purpose of my life has been to provide for me and the family. And, 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 and if you're telling me to stop, what am I, what am I for? What am I supposed to do? And I really get that. I don't know. No, no, listen, I, 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 I get it too. I get it too. But I suppose there's, there's come a point where, he is in effect the, the chairman of um chairman of the farm so to speak in terms of he doesn't have the day-to-day hands-on um making you know those kind of micro decisions it's a case of large strategic ones and just checking that everything's going tickety-boo so to speak yeah but then there is this massive divergence of uh, of opinion in terms of strategically what the farm should be doing and then that's called into brought into sharp focus how relevant brian actually is because he's been running the place he said for 40 years he's owned it for 40 years he's made uh, an ama- he's done an amazing job it's, it's secured the family's future and some and now is the time to pass on the baton but you absolutely do understand it from his point of view it's a case of oh you know, we don't need your wise counsel anymore. We don't, you know, you are not up with the latest farming techniques. You're not, you are becoming um, somewhat of an irrelevance yeah. in terms of modern farming kind of techniques. And it's just hard. If he is, if he clocked on every day, nine to five, as I said before, and had done so for 40 years, then um, it, retirement would be a, a much uh, more immediate thing. But it's been gradual and he hasn't realised he's been, mm. you know, 
shunted to one side. And I suppose he would even say that when Adam came back, um, he he very deliberately made space for Adam, didn't he, to come back and the farm yeah. instruction. There was all the argy-bargy between Adam and Debbie. Yeah. You know, that yeah. went on in for, for a, a good year, 18 months with but Adam. But as long as Brian is the silverback and he is <laughs> the the one who is at the top of the table. He's like Charles Dance in Game of Thrones. As long as he's the one at the top of the table. Remember you don't watch Game of Thrones. I don't watch Game of Thrones. Um, so you won't know that he's a Lannister then? So uh, No. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like Charles Dance in Game of Thrones, sitting at the top of the table while the underlings bicker. Mm. As long as he doesn't mind how anyone bickers, as long as he is in the centre and he is at the top of the table. What his fear is now is that he's not going to be top of the table anymore. Mm. I don't, that might be a really good analogy or a bad one because Charles Dance was killed by his son. Ah. In Game of ah. Thrones. Well, mm. that would be Rory then, wouldn't it? Because Adam isn't his son. Uh, next call. Blythe Spirit. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Blythe Spirit calling. Was it just me this week or did the whole of the collective out there in Ambridge land give a massive cheer when Jennifer said to Kate, You try the patience of a saint! Oh, sweet relief at last. Someone has actually said it to her. Meanwhile, Peggy and Auntie Cardboard, lots of fun and games in the kitchen. They're not so much the Golden Girls as really turning into the odd couple, aren't they? Very entertaining to listen to. What really stood out for me, though, this week was the rapprochement between Roy and Phoebe. And it was beautifully written, beautifully played. Absolutely lovely to listen to. Um, I think really what's happening for Phoebe is that, you know, she's had to go through an awful lot of shocks, especially for a girl of her age. Um, in terms of being introduced to, you know, adult relationships. And so far, it's not been very good. But she's coming around to the idea of her father as, you know, a human being who has great generosity of spirit, who has a good heart. But he's, you know, he's like everyone else. He makes mistakes. And their relationship at the moment is going really well, I think. And I, I predict what will happen is that she will move back in with him. Who knows? You never know. That might even lead to a, some kind of reconciliation with Haley could be further down the line when when uh, jennifer said kate you would try the patience of a saint um <laughs> and uh, peggy and auntie cardboard as the odd couple i didn't like that scene i didn't get it it felt like it, they were trying really really hard to do something and i couldn't quite see what it was were we supposed to think oh my god they're going to get on terribly badly sharing this house oh no but actually this is they're quite happy bickering over the scales and this is my mixer and i know how it works are we supposed to think that's a good thing or what? Sounded bloody awful to me. I think they're setting this up to show us that these aren't just a couple of old biddies who will just, of course, will just rub along nicely. That actually, here are two women who um, have lived on their own for some time now. Yeah. And, of course... Um, you know, that scene that played out was, you know, well, where is the, I forget exactly what Christine couldn't find, you know, where is the sugar, where is the mm. whatever mm. the heck. And Peggy is confronted by this person who she's known for all these years, her sister-in-law, but actually with another person intrusively in her, in her life, mm. who she's going to have to put up with. Mm. And Christine is a bit of a pain in the arse, isn't yeah. she? She's a bit <laughs> off, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. And you could just could just feel Peggy just going, oh, 
God. And yeah. and there's so many times when, you know, people get thrown together for whatever reason. And there is that personal dynamic, you know, it's a case of, oh, God, you know, they've left the towels out in the bathroom. I always like them put away. They've done this and that. And these incredibly minor things. But they're just irritating on, on, on a personal yeah. level. And I just thought that was what it was um, right. an insight to. I just didn't think that worked at all. But I think we don't actually know enough about Christine's character. To, apart from that she's annoying mm. she doesn't really have she's quite two-dimensional isn't she she's well mm. auntie cardboard she's kind of got nothing she's there doesn't seem to be any anything to grab hold of there so. you are right you you kind of wonder why she's kind of been literally brought back from the dead so to yeah speak. exactly because her and jim that's kind of going nowhere fast yeah you know there's the the asides about her and her tweed skirts and you know yeah and, She's dressed in tweed all the time. And you, you, you're completely right. You know, we, we brought this character back from the seeming depths of, you know, yeah. nothingness. And she brought nothing really to yeah. the party. Yeah. <laughs> Let's fire her. Fired! Next! <laughs> Don't mean uh, to be harsh, but <laughs> she's crap. That, that ship sailed. <laughs> uh, John the First. Kate screeching like a banshee. Hello, everybody. It's John the First here, a.k.a. John from Newcastle. Uh, yes, I'm still here. It's been a couple of months since I've called in. It's Sunday afternoon, and I've just listened to Friday night's episode on podcast, and how fantastic was it? It was so cringy. It was unbearable in parts. Listening to Kate downing a bottle of wine and screeching like a banshee at Phoebe because she was sending something on Snapchat, I think it's called. The, oh, I can't even put into words just how much I loved it. It was so dysfunctional. Um, I love the fact that Peggy came in and acted all shocked and, and offended and, you know, 1950s about the whole thing, you know, with, with uh, Jennifer suggesting that Phoebe goes on the pill, which she didn't really do, but she was just being responsible. In many ways, she was probably the most responsible of all of them. So poor Jennifer, she's had a bit of a hard time. I love the conversation at the end with uh, Brian and Debbie talking about how Brian should retire. Incidentally, I love having Debbie back and I'm, I'm pleased she's staying a few more days. I'd actually never heard her before because I've only been listening for a couple of years and um, I think I missed her the last time she was on. But I'm a huge fan of Tams and Greg, so it's, it, it's great to hear her. Um, but there was the whole thing about, you know, should Brian retire or shouldn't he retire because he's 71? Nothing against people working when they're older, but in my opinion, I, I certainly hope to be retired by the age of 71. I think Brian deserves a rest. Um, I think he should hand the, the, the baton over to the younger generation because otherwise, how are they going to learn unless they can move it on and, and, and progress the farm that way? Plus, he's 71. I mean, I'm 33 and I'd retire next week if I could. So, so yeah, thanks very much. Oh, and I love the new site as well. I think it's brilliant. And uh, I love the order of John Archer badges as John the First. I... Uh, I heartily approve. Yes, like a bit of Kate Screech, like a banshee. Mm. But he's going on about, you know, passing things on. Again, it's back to Brian the retirement, passing things on to the next generation. And you kind of think, yes, well, no, I think no. But then I think, bloody hell, Adam is nearly 50 and he's yeah. still working for his stepdad. Thought about a bit like that. I did think, yeah, mate, he does need to sort of get out. You know, someone on Twitter said, good, Brian, just cut all the money and see how they manage without you then. You know, just if they want to be independent, great. But don't let them capitalise on what you've done. Just cut them loose. I think they'd do quite well without Brian, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but they've all had, you know, the, the travelling and all that was sort of funded by Brian, wasn't it? Or by Jennifer putting a word in with Brian. 
Mm. You know, Adam Macy didn't have to work in Sainsbury's for three years to save up money to go traveling around the world and go and work for his charity and everything, did he? I mean, that's not the kind of thing that working class kids get to do because you need money behind you to actually self-fund through a lot of these third sector things. That doesn't mean then that your child is, or your stepson, or your step uh, stepchild is then beholden to you for the rest of their life. No, but I think once you're propped up by that kind of cushion of money, pretty much what, you know, if you have this sort of feeling, uh, things are never ever going to be actually that bad because I know I can always fall back on family money. You're never ever, you're going to be a lot less brave. Because you you don't need to, or maybe more brave, I don't know, but you need to, just got less to lose all the time. I, I think it's a potentially quite quite a dodgy argument that you're trying to make there. Because I would say that Debbie has made her own way in life. Adam, ditto. He might have come back to the family farm, but um, he's a smart, bright, hard-working individual. Ditto with, with Alice. She has her own career. Um, you know, She's but- living in a cottage bought for her by her parents. As is Kate. But then we just get into a slightly circular argument about, yeah. about rural property prices yeah. and, you know... and Let's not, let's not do that. Yeah, let's, yeah <laughs> let's not do that, Lucy. <laughs> all right, then. I'll stop. That's it. We've done all the call. Yes. That was really quick. Yay. Gosh. All right. So why don't you uh, top up your, your glass of gin? Okay. You're just drinking it neat or is there actually any tonic in it? There's some lemon. Oh, all right. I'll have another sip of uh, my camp coffee. We haven't mentioned camp coffee in weeks. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you the other side. Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the posher washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Fancy getting your mouth round something warm? Something comforting you can really get a firm grip on? Why not buy a Dumpty Dum mug from the shop at dumptydum.com? Goes down lovely. Um, my name is Kate. My name's Joe. My name's Nicola. My name is Suzanne Hakimi. My name is Mary Parkinson. I'm in Hope House as a client. Um, I have had addiction issues um, throughout my life, um, um, including an eating disorder, heroin, crack, um, addiction drink, to drugs, methadone, alcohol. I'm here because it got really bad. Hope House started off as an eight-bed unit in Maida Vale, and um, we're an all-women unit. I had read an article about Hope House some months before and when I read about it what I read or what I took away from the article was that this was a place where women worked to help other women. Coming soon to iTunes, 1001 Conversations, a new podcast from Royfield Brown. G'day everyone, it's Millie Bell here. We've had a really, really busy week on our Facebook page, so I'm not going to have time to do much of a roundup of the other pages, if at all. 
We asked who you would like to invite to dinner if you could invite three people from Ambridge. And the standout invitee was Lillian Kelsey. Everyone had reasons for choosing who they did. And in fact, most people in Ambridge got a bit of a Guernsey from Adam, Charlie and Ian, Usha, Nick and Kirsty. But nearly every person wanted to invite uh, Lillian. So we're going to have to make sure that she is on our invitation list. The other thing that was so lovely was that uh, we asked um, which of our caller innerers would you like to invite to dinner? And um, everybody chose me. Isn't that great? Okay, I'm tricking. No, the really lovely thing about it is that everybody mentioned many of our regulars and it was completely across the board. So I am now a little bit jealous because I know that a few of you are meeting soon and I rather think you're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, because you clearly like each other, you clearly love what each other has to say. So I can see uh, that this is going to be quite a meeting. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that someone will take photos and maybe even some secret recordings for me. The other thing that we discussed, and uh, this was so amusing, uh, we, were, we just asked you, what, look, what are you doing this weekend? Anybody doing anything that we might want to join in with? And it was just awesome. You're obviously all very, very busy people. There's lots happening. We had uh, Carrie who was decorating and we had uh, people just sunbathing uh, like Fiona Graham Winder. Uh, some people were traveling. Vicky Cole was on a train from Washington DC to Chicago and she was lucky because she had some Dumpty Dum and some artists to catch up on. Uh, boys weekend uh, for some. Uh, Andrew Horn, he had a boys weekend with his little man. Uh, there's some barbecues happening and some, oh, there was obviously some cricket happening. You have a range of activities, and I guess it really brought home to me that there are a range of people who listen to the archers, a huge range, as we discovered last weekend, and there are a huge and diverse range of people who listen to the Dumpty Dum, and that, of course, is what makes it so awesome. Not going to give you a round of the other Facebook pages this week because really we had so much to say on our site and what I think I now realise is that you have lots of opportunity to talk about uh, Archers and Embridge things on the other pages, you don't need to do that on our page. So we will continue to use our page to get to know ourselves a little better and to enjoy our company, each other's company. So uh, thank you, I'm really loving my new group of friends. I'll speak to you next week. Thank you, Millie. Lucy, why don't yes. you hit us with some hashtag the Archers tweets of the last seven days. Or oh, Septimana, as they say in Italy. <laughs> uh, Greavesy, mm. uh, as in Derek Fletcher, said, Christ on a bike, Debbie's gaydar is as fucked as capes. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly runs in the family. Guy Gibson Dog said, Ooh, lemon drizzle cake and compacted soil today. Be still, my beating heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you do get episodes like that, don't you? Uh, Wendy Pitt said we talk about brian and uh things he might do when he's retired she said possibility of daytime sex until novelty wears off or heart attack that's a bit (laughs) (laughs) bit brusque wendy d brooks said brian will not retire it looks like assassination is the only answer april oh you may said can't they put him out to stud he's 72 (laughs) years old um and oedipus cat said when, when Debbie handed it over to him I can do arable me hashtag Daryl make peace <laughs> <laughs> and uh, John Reed is tweet of the week 
He's Phoebe. awesome on the Twitters. He's he is. He's very good. Uh, Phoebe. Oh, fuck off, mother. Kate. Oh, fuck off, mother. Jennifer. Oh, fuck off, mother. Peggy. <laughs> oh, really? Hashtag <laughs> the archers. <laughs> very good. Oh, I-, I need to say something before we go on to the end of the show and say that it's all over. I want to do these uh, yoga mats with... You're messing with me chakras. Yeah. Okay. Right. So that's what I want to do. And um, somebody very kindly on the Twitters found a company that will allow us to print on tea towels and onto yoga mats. And for the life of me, I cannot find that tweet. Neither can I. We spent half of Sunday looking, didn't we? I looked for a good hour before i said lucy um, i'm going a bit mad can you look then you looked and we just can't find it so please good listener who i don't know about a month or two back found the link for a company that will allow us to print onto t-tas because doug Foint has even now posted a bloody thread on on our new forum on dumdydum.com for those that are interested uh saying tea towels i was determined on saturday to just like get this sorted and i can't so can't find the tweets so please uh put me out my misery and please uh, don't tweet it just email royfield at gmail.com please just email me with the link of the company uh because uh i want to do those yoga mats and teach out <sighs> right now um i think it's now just about the end of the show i've enjoyed this one lucy have you yeah not that i haven't enjoyed the other 66 that we've done before but um i've enjoyed this because i've just been basking in your general glow of cleverness and 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 i just sit i sit here and i just marvel i really do right okay oh i do oh genuinely genuinely okay well that's nice (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what you're playing at but i'm not going to join in you're not, are you? You don't don't no. engage with me at all. Nope. If it's not about the archers, there's no banter with you anymore. <laughs> no, because you're setting me up, so I'm going to say something, and then you're going to take me down, aren't you? No, not at all. You know, I was actually setting you up for a massive compliment, but you didn't want to take it, so I just thought, all right, I'll just move on and say, go to dumdydum.com to try our new website. We can comment on the shows oh yeah it's really important folks so you can actually now um go to the show page and say hmm i thought lucy's monologue was most excellent i'm giving it 15 out of 10 uh this (laughs) week or anything like that and also when you go onto our new site you can register and create your own bit of dummy dumb by creating a a profile and an article about anything archers related Yes, folks, you heard it here first. If you want to tell the world how you got into Ambridge, but are afraid to phone in, write in. There's even a bit where people are talking about what has wound them up in Borsetshire in the last week. And Lucy, you know what? What? You can see the caller Rinneras. I've had a look at them. I've had a good old look, I have. Have you? Yeah. Did you like the look of them? I did. Mm. They're a very handsome bunch. Did you see Miss Mid-City's Platts? I did. She looks exactly like I thought she would look. Considering you didn't even know she was black at first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Once I'd readjusted that bit, yes. <laughs> and here is another tip for you folks. You can even message the other caller in us through the site. So if you want to send a private message to Cosmo or arrange a date with Yokel Bear or Goddess Diva, log on and go there and do can it. Can we see their private messages? No, of course we can't. Uh, oh. Hence they're private. Oh, it's not. I always think that people at Twitter probably read everyone's private DMs, pictures of Willie's. Probably the NSA are reading them. Uh. Hello, GCHQ. 
Don't forget, you can go to patreon.com forward slash dum dum where you can support the show for $2. Uh, you can... Ooh, no, and you can also donate to the show by going to our site and hitting the donate button. So that's it. dum dum is over. Remember also to go to dum dumcom to buy stuff. You can also send us a message via our site on SpeakPipe, hitting the big red tabby thing over on the right-hand side. Or you can call us on 0303131305 to leave us a message via our phone or you can find us on the twitters where we're at dum dum or you can tweet me where i'm at royfield or sarah smith at sarah underscore smith full stop full stop right um any parting shots uh... do you know where that comes from no the expression the parting shot it's a parthian shot oh really so what um the what they the cavalry used to do the Parthians and the Mongols and all of those kind of from the Asian steppes used to do so they would ride up towards uh, the Roman infantry or the Greek infantry and then um, appear to flee they'd turn around and then be ah. heading back and then whilst they're in their saddles the Parthian shot was then they turned that you know they physically shot turned whilst back, the, yeah. yeah and then you know shot ah. back at the infantry so the parting shot is the Parthian shot <gasps> well aren't you Mr Clever well no I'm just Mr Boring History Nerd no mm. that's not boring that's great because it's it to do no with it well. the English language that's the only reason why you're interested in it because normally when I say things like oh the Isle of Man is not a constituent part of the United Kingdom you go <laughs> you nerd <laughs> and I say it exactly like that as well don't I <laughs> no well you, you are very disparaging am I I'm yeah, sorry I don't are. mean to be disparaging you are. it's guilt that's what it is it's guilt really yeah because is it, is I... it white guilt what yeah no is it's... it white privilege and guilt <laughs> probably <laughs> I'll wave my copy of The Guardian in the air. It's, it, because I feel I should know. My history is terrible. And I really should know. I, I kind of know what happened in different parts of history, but I can't put it all together in one coherent whole, which is what you could do. And I feel really, really bad that I, I, I can't do that. And sometimes the children ask me things and I think, oh, crikey, I don't know that. I feel terrible. But, you know, I can deconstruct Wordsworth. So there we go. That's handy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we both bring our different talents to the dum de dum table then, don't we? We do. Talking of talents, mm. the man with the pump sodded off. So, your, your coal hole. It's still a wash. Is it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right then. We're children, aren't we? We yeah. are children. I'll, I'll, I'll go edit this then, shall I? Yeah, right then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.